This podcast is part of the Michigan Sports and Entertainment Podcast Network. Go to michigansportsandentertainment.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Fee with Mike and Mark. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Not too bad. How about you? Good. We've had a good week here. Uh, the network continues. Well, we added a new show to the network today. They're called How I Met Your Mother. It's a, or no, How I Met Your Friends. I always do that. It's a How I Met Your Mother Friends podcast where they keep compare and contrast the two shows, which are shockingly similar in, in nature. And they, they do a very good job over there at How I Met Your Friends. Uh, check them out on Facebook and iTunes and all the things. You know where to go to listen to podcasts. Go to PodCoin. Um, but uh, the news today, not too much in the news, but there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about. One is that Netflix is reportedly... In the process of buying their first brick-and-mortar theater, the uh, historic Egyptian theater in Hollywood, California, the thought is that they will use that theater to run their movies for a week so that they can be eligible for Academy Awards just like they did with Roma, and that will be a venue for them to make a little bit of money and also make their films Oscar eligible, no matter what Steven Spielberg has to say about it. So, yeah, I, say, I know someone who's not happy about this. Right. So I'm sure Steven Spielberg is desperately trying to block this purchase uh, as we speak. But what do you think of Netflix buying a movie theater? It's, a, a, it's already labeled, it was labeled in 1993 as a historic site in Hollywood. It was the the first Hollywood premiere ever in 1922, uh, Douglas Fairbanks' Robin Hood took place here. With uh, Earl Flood? Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. I mean, I don't care. I mean, I guess it probably would be uh, less expensive in the long run since it isn't the requirement they just like play a movie for a week in Los Angeles and or New York, or is it just Los Angeles? I think it's either or, yeah. Los Angeles or New York. Yeah, so I mean, that would just like save the money, really. They just put each movie on one screen because they release like 30 movies a week, it seems like. Yeah, no kidding. And it's supposed, supposedly it would be good for the Egyptian theater because they do show uh, first-run movies there now, but this will get them more in the current uh, climate of films and everything. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, probably a net positive for both Netflix and... And the Egyptian yeah. theater. Just uh, hope you don't go there and uh, look look over and see uh, Fred Willard sitting next to you, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Yeah, exactly. No, no, this is the Guy Ritchie movie snatch, Mr. Willard. <laughs> oh, yeah, you could be sandwiched between Fred Willard and uh, Pee Wee Herman. You better bring a raincoat in that case. It's not because Gallagher is going to show up. Oh, the other piece of news that I found this week is the one of the most one of the more ridiculous pieces of news I found. Uh, they're making a Grease prequel called Summer Loving, and it will explore how Danny 
Zuko and Sandy met. You know, that thing they sang a song about in the first movie is now going to become a movie. Yeah, see, isn't that uh, also, uh, so I, I, I'm not uh, 100% familiar with Greece, so I guess they actually like, had like, a relationship before. See, I thought that song was about what was happening at that moment in the movie. No, they met during the summer on the beach, basically. And so they sing the song about how how they met. And it just so happens that she transfers to the school that he's going to. The most convenient transfer ever. But, uh, yeah, the this movie will be based on a song from a popular movie from 40-plus years ago. So uh, I'm sure people will rush out to see this. Another great decision by Hollywood. I don't know. People, like, didn't they have like a musical that toured or is still touring? And people go see that. Maybe they will. Maybe there's a big demand for Greece that I'm uh, unaware of. I guess. I, I I don't know. But I just, it's like when they made Rogue One, the, that Star Wars movie that you didn't see, they based it on you know, a line of text from the opening crawl about stealing the Death Star plans. And everyone thought, oh, that's a movie that we need to see. And it was... I know some people like that movie. I don't really like that movie that much. It it had no character development at all. And it had Well, a, it's Star Wars. What do you expect? <laughs> they had a decent third act, and that's about it. But, yeah, Grease, the prequel, Summer Loving... I don't. The, it hasn't been cast yet, so I don't know who's going to be in it. You'll have to get uh, John Travolta, probably. <laughs> I think they'll get um, what's his name, Adam Lambert, and uh, and Taylor Swift. They'll be in it. Okay. Uh, so now moving on to our newest say. Well, not our newest segment, but our new segment that we debuted last week. That. Apparently, people really seem to like. We got some feedback on that. Uh, so thank you for your feedback and your emails. And you can keep your emails coming in to massivelatefee at gmail.com if you want to give us some more encouragement or just tell us we're terrible. But uh, it is Keeping Current with Mike. Mike, last last week we did Us Magazine. What's... What publication are we going to scour the headlines for this week? Well, this I don't think this is actually published. I think it's just an internet like gossip site. Have you ever heard of Bossip? No, not at all. It stands for Black Gossip. Oh, okay. Yeah, I found this website a few years ago, and it's, I don't know, it's kind of interesting just because I am completely unaware of almost everything going on, uh, which isn't much different from any other website. But here's the uh, top headline right now. Give me a second. I need to scroll down. Okay. Waiting for scrolling. R-H-O-A colon. Nini says she pressed producers to release the betrayal clip of her co-worker, Cynthia. Think R-H-O-A is Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'm kind of upset with myself that I do know what that stands for. Yeah, I was not aware of what that stands for. Uh, very clunky headline, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And the weird part about this is there's three uh, there's three words in parentheses. She pressed presses in parentheses, betrayal and coworker. So if all those words are controversial, this doesn't mean anything. Like this person is or is not her coworker. You don't. <laughs> right. 
he was possibly betrayed. There's, there's, there's not a very fine line between betrayal and non-betrayal. It's pretty, you know, cut and dry, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. So, <laughs> and did she press them? What was, yeah, it's... what's considered pressing? She asked. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, know. I don't watch any of those uh, Real Housewives shows, so... I I don't know anything about any of this, but I'm assuming that one of uh, the I don't know why why would why would coworker be ambiguous? <laughs> like does she I, work on I, the I show? Understand. My guess is they're both like characters, or I don't know what you call them when they're supposedly not you know acting. Mm-hmm. I guess subjects. I mean, they're probably both subjects of the show. I'm not sure. Like I said, I've never seen any of these Real Housewives uh, shows at all. I don't even know uh, who's on it. Yeah, I don't either. I don't know. I think Look, you know, sometimes they have like a B level like celebrity's husband or something like that or a wife, but I don't think even that's going on in this. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I really don't. I feel like, and it might not be this one, but I feel like there was one of the housewife shows. Where a basketball player's wife was one of the wives, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that sounds correct, but I, I really, I, I, I don't know. So look for uh, Dwight Howard's wife. <laughs> I, oh. used, I know he's not <laughs> a little hard for that one. <laughs> right. Uh, on the next Real Housewives of whatever team he's playing for now. Um, right. So what, what, what else they got on on Black Gossip Blossop? Uh, Bossip, no L. It's oh, just oh, Bossip. Bossip with a B instead of a G. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, this next uh, one is a video clip, which I didn't watch, called The Future Is Now. A clip of Blue Ivy leading, leading is all capitalized for some reason. Uh, Beyonce's Coachella choreography is burning Twitter to ash. I pretty much know everything in that sentence. See, when it said future, I thought I was talking about the uh, the musician from Atlanta. Oh, okay. Another yeah. uh, Real Housewives, but it's not, obviously. Um, Blue Ivy is uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce's daughter, um, and she's leading steps, which sounds ridiculous, because isn't this kid like five or six? She's really leading choreography. That says something about the choreography, I would think, if it's capable of being led by a five-year-old. No kidding. I uh, I did not know who Blue Ivy was, but I got it from context clues that she was probably Beyonce's daughter. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, there's like a really odd, like it, it's almost like worthy of like a conspiracy type uh, subject. Uh, Jay Z is really obsessed with the number four, and I V is four. Oh yeah, that's you true. Know I mean, it's spelled it's spelled I V Y, but um, you know, it'd be phonetically or not phonetically, if you were to pronounce the letters, you would get the same result. Like if you look into it, it's really interesting. Like some people think he's a follower of the thing. Hmm. Interesting. Mister like Crowley. Yeah. And Andrew, it's it's really weird. I mean, a lot of people say he's like a part of Illuminati or something because like the diamonds he does with his hands definitely worth a, a deep dive on uh, Wikipedia one day. Yeah, yeah, well, we will look into uh, Jay Z and his Illuminati connections <laughs> at some point. Maybe we'll have the skeptical skeptics on, and we can talk about that with them. That's a good idea. All right, this one, I I I have no idea what's going on here. Uh, I. The, it starts with a hashtag. Hashtag L-H-H-A-T-L. What, what could that stand for? Do you have any clue? I, I have no idea. L-H-H-A-T-L. Um, well, A-T-L has got to be Atlanta. I, I, you yeah, know. that would be my guess, but I don't know what L-H-H would mean then. Uh, let's, let's hit hotspots in Atlanta. Let's, I'll go with that one. 
Um, okay. Here, I'm looking up L-H-H-A-T-L. Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Okay, I've heard of that. Isn't, uh, I thought, shit, who is it? Is it their T.I. maybe? I'm not really sure. I don't know. I don't even know if I know who T.I. is. Is that a rapper? Uh, yeah. Okay, so Love and Hip Hop Atlanta is the second installment. <laughs> Second one of the Love and Hip Hop reality television franchise. It premiered June 18th, 2012. Wow, I am behind the times. On Oh, on VH1, that's why. Um, and, and chronicles the lives of several people in Atlanta involved with hip hop music. The show features appearances from notable figures associated with Southern hip hop. Uh, let's see, it stars someone named Jocelyn Hernandez, Erica Dixon, Rashida... K. Michelle, Carly Red, Mimi Faust, Tracy Steele. I think they're, they're all women. Uh, Tammy Riv- Rivera, Stevie J, Tommy Lee. Is that is that the Tommy Lee? I don't think so. I, I don't know. Jessica Dime, Erica Mena, Spice, Scrap DeLeon, and Young, spelled Y U N G, Jock. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, well, here's the headline. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just looking to see if I could find uh, the presenter, but no, I can't. Okay. The headline is, Tiara being super thirsty for scrap while he wants Monice gave all of Twitter secondhand embarrassment. Well, I know what thirsty means. Yeah. I, I thought at first maybe they were missing a word in the sentence because it seems like you, if you had a better connector word, it would make more sense. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah, that's just how people write these days, like, especially for, like, gossip kind of shit. They just, like, don't even, you know, pay any service to, like, you know, the context of how you should write a sentence. So, Tiana's got to be someone on the show, and Scrap has to be another someone on the show, and she's thirsty for him. And I guess, since it's a reality show, she must have been, like, kind of lusting after him, and Twitter got embarrassed for some reason. I've... All the people on Twitter care enough about LLHATL to um, to be up in arms about someone doing something on a reality. I mean, how many on every single one of these reality shows? There's somebody trying to hook up with somebody else. Yeah, I, I don't know. But yeah, that's uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't watch the show. I don't know anything about it. I guess it, it's a rap show. I don't know. Or I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone out there. A hip hop show. Yep. I've offended our our tiny African American demographic. Oh man, here's a here's a surprising headline just because it's so out of context. It's what the health. New York City declares public health emergency due to measles outbreak in Brooklyn. Wow, so that's black gossip? Yeah, I, I don't understand uh, exactly what's uh, black or gossipy about it. It just seems like a matter-of-fact reporting to me. <laughs> it's the, it stands out because it's the, one, uh, it's the one actual headline with real news. Hey, come on. Uh, you know, Tierra gave us all secondhand embarrassment. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's right. Secondhand embarrassment. It's better than secondhand measles. Oh, okay. Any more uh any more scintillating headlines 
from uh, another another one that again fails to uh to qualify for either being black or gossip. The View, Megan McCain entitled Infinitely Snaps on Joy Behar. Fans think Behar considered snatching some shriveled strands. Interesting. Okay, so I know who Megan McCain is, John the late John McCain's daughter. And, yeah, and obviously the uh, the website endorses Joy Behar over her because she re- they refer to her uh, hair as shriveled strands. Yeah, she she th- apparently fans think that that Joy Behar contemplated grabbing her hair. Uh, I I don't even know what to make of this. Joy Behar, I, I don't understand why she's relevant <laughs> in today's society, but. You know, I guess that's where we're at. Um, yeah, I mean, I would it have spiced up the view? As far as I know, that happens every week on the view. Because <laughs> I, 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 really I don't watch it unless Norm McDonald's on it, which was that one time. <laughs> well, he was on there again after uh, he was on Howard Stern um, and made some controversial statements. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he went on the view to apologize, oddly enough. But I think Barbara Walters wasn't on the show at that point because that seemed to be who he mostly hated. Yeah, Barbara Walters didn't like him for whatever reason. Yeah, Barbara Walters uh, also in the news this week for uh, saying that Michael Jackson's victims should just get over it. Oh, wow, I did not hear that. It was pretty much something like that. Like, well, you know, that's just his sexuality. You're fine, though. <laughs> you got money. Walk it off. You guys got paid. Just forget about it. Yeah, I think Barbara Walters just hates anyone that was on Saturday Night Live because Gilda Radner totally eviscerated her on Saturday Night Live in the 70s. And even though Norm MacDonald was obviously not part of that cast or, or anything, I think she just hates Saturday Night Live and everyone that's been on it. Well, to be fair, he did uh, He did say that Bill Clinton murdered somebody on the show. That's true. <laughs> he did say that. <laughs> the outrage was hilarious. Oh, Norm. He's the best. Is that it for uh, Black Gossip this week? Uh, it's actually uh, keeping current with Mike. But, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yes, that is it for this week. Yeah. Now you're all up to date. I guess we shouldn't do a segment called Black Gossip. That would probably be in poor taste. Uh, you probably correct. So next, we're going to go to another new segment. Uh, I don't know exactly what to call this, but I... Uh, I'm calling it Celebrity Diss, because I anticipate that we will get rejected or ignored, most likely ignored, every single time we do this. But to give you a an idea of what we're talking about, since it's a brand new segment, uh, we've decided that every week we're going to sort of cyberstalk a celebrity, I guess, borderline harass Someone. Your words, not mine. And uh, I, well, I said borderline harass somebody uh, to come on to the show with us. And this week, since we're talking about Pet Cemetery, which is not really a spoiler because if you read the episode title, you know we're talking about Pet Cemetery. Um, we decided to go after Stephen King, the author of Pet Cemetery. Uh, I'm actually tweeting to him right now to. Uh, just telling him last chance to come on the show. Much like a uh, van speeding through a uh, rural uh, main uh, road. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah, that I remember that story. Okay, so I uh, I mean I didn't go overboard with this. I tweeted at him. Let's see, uh, five, six, seven times, including just now. Uh, but here's some of the things that I I said to Stephen King. Uh, Stephen King, we're talking about Pet Cemetery in our podcast, and we would love to for you to come on. No response. No response, no likes, no retweets. Stephen King, our chat with you would only take about 20 minutes over the phone. One like, but no responses and no retweets. Uh, and I, I just do this at Stephen King, so it only shows up on his wall. So I don't even know who liked it. Uh, at Stephen King, also, Mr. King, your appearance would help out our podcast. I almost wrote immensely, but I know your hatred of adverbs. Because anyone that's a fan of Stephen King like I am knows how much he hates adverbs. Uh, at Stephen King. Yeah. <laughs> at Stephen King. And you making and and you would be making a huge fan, me, and a person who has strongly mixed feelings about your work, my co host, very happy. <laughs> so then at then at uh, like one thirty in the morning I said Stephen King, are you up late tossing and turning about whether or not you should discuss Pet Cemetery with us? You should. Remember that dick who said writing short stories was a waste of time and called you Steve-O? I am not him. Oh, and he's not my dad or anything. Uh, so no response to that. No. Oh, wait, someone did like that. Who liked tweet. that? Wait, let me look at this. Who, who, who liked this tweet? Uh, oh, my wife. so at stephen king also on the podcast we can spend most of the time shitting on real donald trump if you want because he he talks about donald trump a lot it can be half pet cemetery half donald trump slam fest or whatever or, or whatever fraction you're comfortable with just a phone call no likes no retweets on that one either even uh, Carol didn't support that one. No. And then uh, um, just now I said, Stephen King, last chance to come on the show. No likes, no retweets. And let's see how many people saw it. Three. So, <laughs> so I don't know if Stephen King is one of those three people or if he saw any of the other messages or if he even cares. But I would say it's a success. I mean, be, we didn't get him, but... That's so that's to be expected, but we also didn't get blocked, so I think that's that's not too bad. I think that's what we have to uh, to call a success on this segment. So Stephen King, you uh, let us down and failed our audience and everyone else by not coming on the show. Uh, tune in next week to find out what celebrity we will be trying to get on the show next week. Richard Bachman. This, <laughs> this is this is easily the best way to try to get guests on the show, by the way. So, uh, before we get into the main topic and some other stuff that we have planned for you, we're going to go to Educating Mike, because that's what I feel like now, because this show is really planned out. Um... We're doing a horror movie, as I mentioned, Pet Cemetery. So I decided that 
you know, we could do a horror movie for Educating Mike. And there are a lot to choose from. Because there are a lot of bad horror movies. I've seen probably 90% of them. And, uh, but I decided to settle on one of those movies that is truly horrible, but people seem to love it for whatever reason. It is Troll 2. No, not The Avengers. That's not a horror movie, really. I mean, Mm. horrible. (laughs) But, uh, no, it's Troll 2, the sequel to Troll, which is really not related to Troll in any way. That's, isn't Jennifer Aniston in one of these movies? No, that's Leprechaun. Oh, I thought she. I thought some like TV uh, actor or actress was was in Troll One or Two. I believe you might be thinking of Leonardo DiCaprio that was in Ghoulies. Which yeah, is... I don't think that's what I was thinking of. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, trust me, no one in this movie became famous in any way other than the... being in this movie. Yes. So here's the plot of Troll 2. Michael, that's another good reason to pick it, has always dreamed of being a farmer. <laughs> so Is just, he the first person to ever dream of being a farmer? I don't know. Seems like Maybe. you want to be a farmer, you just you just can become a farmer. Yeah. It's not it's not really a hard it's not really a hard profession to get into. Buy get some land and plant a seed. Uh, He arranges a home exchange vacation in which he and his family will move into a house in the rural farming community of Nilbog. And then they help, they helpfully tell you, which is goblin spelled backwards (laughs) for a month. So they're exchanging homes. I guess they live in the city and they're exchanging homes with someone that lives in the country. Uh, The night before the family is scheduled to leave, Michael's son, uh, Joshua, is contacted by the ghost of his dead grandfather, Seth, warning him that vegetarian goblins want to transform him and his family into plants so that they can eat them. So, (laughs) that's a little on the nose. You've got a ghost, for some reason... They're, 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 they just introduce ghosts into this movie of the dead grandfather warning Seth of the plot of the movie. So I think I have a lot of questions about this. Okay. Now, do the goblins are just normally vegetarians? I get. See, I, I don't know. They might be a they might be a specific uh, strain of vegetarian goblins. Well, I mean, that's just weird because, I mean, they're at a farm. Wouldn't it make more sense for the guy to grow vegetables there and just give them those? It'd be a lot more food than one of him. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it doesn't make much sense. They don't eat flesh, but they want to transform flesh into plants so that then they can eat them. And uh, another question that brings up, uh, they're there for a month. What are they? How is that going to give you any indication of farming? You, you won't even grow one thing in a month. Yeah, and they're they're it's got to be the summer months, I would assume, because Seth is young enough to be in school in high school, so they're they're gonna be there in the summer when you, that's just that's not when planting happens. No, it uh, doesn't make much sense so far, but I'm sure it gets better. Oh yeah. Seth tells Joshua that goblins can turn people into plants by feeding them poisoned food or drink. So he knows all the information he needs. And this is before they leave. He could simply say, hey, 
uh, dead grandpa came to me and said that goblins want to turn us into plants and eat us. And then instead of going to the vacation house, they'll be he'll be going to the sanitarium. You say uh, he. You said he came to him in a dream, right? No, he just appears. And in the oh. and in the movie, I think he's in the living room or in the dining room. He sits he sits down at the dining room table and basically just tells him. Oh, okay. Uh, meanwhile, Joshua's sister Holly receives receives a visit visit from her boyfriend Elliot. Holly accuses Elliot of being a homosexual, <laughs> since he seems to prefer spending time with his friends. <laughs> so you know not like holly doesn't doesn't take that as anything being wrong with her if the guy would rather spend time with his friends he must be gay elliot promises to show his devotion by accompanying the family on vacation so basically they they put homophobia into the movie just as an excuse to get elliot in the picture as well uh, the next morning, Elliot fails to arrive, and the family leaves without him. Without him. <laughs> they encounter him en route to Nilbog, which, again, remember, is Goblin backwards, riding in an RV with his friends, Arnold, Drew, and Brent. So he's just still with his friends. Outside of Nilbog, Seth appears as a hitchhiker who warns Joshua that Nilbog is the kingdom of goblins, and that if his family eats anything while they are there, they will be turned into plants. So again, it's a weird name for a dead grandpa, Seth, but uh, it seems like such a youthful name. But, yeah, it really does. But uh, Seth again warns him, hey, don't eat anything or you'll be turned into plant plants. Uh, the family disbelieves Joshua's warnings and continue on to Nilbok. There, Joshua sets about destroying or or contaminating all the food the family finds or acquires. <laughs> so his plan is for them not to eat for a month. And not to drink anything, because they can't drink either. Yeah, they won't notice. Arnold goes for a walk outside of Nilbog and encounters a girl being chased by goblins. So, again, seems like a red flag. They flee to a chapel in the woods where they encounter the goblin's queen, Druid Credence Lenore Gilgood. What a name. Who uses the Stonehenge magic stone to give the goblins power. Credence tricks them into drinking a magic potion that dissolves the girl into vegetable matter and turns Arnold into a plant. So, they're gone. Joshua sneaks away from home and eavesdrops on a goblin church sermon, which bewails the evils of eating meat. So, this is this whole film supposed to be, like, an anti... Like, did PETA make this movie? I, I really don't know. The parishioners capture him and attempt to force-feed him poisoned ice cream. Mean Michael walks in on the scene and becomes suspicious... Taking Joshua home. He walks in to a bunch of people and goblins trying to force feed his son ice cream. And he gets a little suspicious. Later, Drew goes to the town because there are no food or drinks in the RV. 
The sheriff takes him in his car and gives him a green hamburger. When he arrives in the town, Drew goes to the store and the owner offers him poisonous Nilbog milk. Feeling dizzy, he goes to the chapel and finds Arnold, who has turned into a plant. Drew drags him out, but but just drags a plant out, I guess. But Credence appears. She knocks him out and chainsaws Arnold to pieces. (laughs) Drew is then killed off screen. Always love uh, off off screen deaths. Yeah, that's the best. Like where is he? Oh, he died. <laughs> we didn't think it'd be didn't interesting. It? Yeah, we didn't think it'd be interesting to show it. It was pretty cool too. At the house, the family discovers that the townspeople have prepared them a surprise party to apologize for the events at the church. Joshua attempts to make contact with Seth his dead grandfather, only for Credence to appear in goblin form. Seth, Seth's ghost appears and chops off her hand. Credence returns to her chapel, where she transforms herself into a beautiful woman in revealing clothes. She then travels to Elliot's RV, where she seduces Brent and drowns him in popcorn. I think a few people drowned in popcorn watching this film. Was one of them uh, due to a uh, coin in the popcorn? Yeah, that's right. Don't buy a fucking movie meal if you don't want to choke. Joshua- that's actually their motto. <laughs> Joshua, Elliot, Holly, Michael, and Diana. Who the hell is Diana? Like, who are these people? Hold a seance to communicate with Seth, who returns from the dead again and tells them that he can retain a physical form for exactly 10 minutes before he has to return to the afterlife so god's just like yeah okay you're good for 10 minutes all right that's all you get seth gives joshua a paper bag containing a quote secret weapon to use against the goblins the goblins break into the house and transport joshua to Credence's Chapel, where Joshua opens the bag, revealing a double-decker bologna sandwich. What? Oh, they, they're probably weak to meat, huh? He eats the sandwich, making his body poisonous to the goblins, and then touches the Stonehenge stone, which destroys Credence. So, okay, he ate a sandwich, a bologna sandwich. I mean, does it have to be bologna? He ate a bologna sandwich, which made his body poisonous to the goblins. Um, I think I just realized this is actually the opposite. It's not a pro-vegetarian movie. It's an anti-vegetarian movie. But the thing is, is all the rest of the family had to have eaten meat at some point in their lives. Like, is it just so. because it was fresh? I guess. How fresh is bologna, though? Yeah, that's true. The family- I mean, how long do you think it is before they package it until you get it? Probably like a few days at least, right? Yeah, I would. I would assume so. As far as I, 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 I don't like bologna, so I guess they just turned me into a plant. But <laughs> yeah, see, it's saying people who only eat vegetables are evil, and uh, the power of uh, meat will save you. Yeah, I think you're right. The family returns home, where Joshua's mother is seen eating food from the refrigerator. The food, unknown to the family, has been poisoned by the family of goblins who took over their home during their exchange in the country. The film ends with Joshua walking in on a group of goblins eating his mother's green bloated torso off the kitchen counter and offering him a bite. Joshua screams in horror. I think that's the famous scene from the movie where he goes, Oh my God! Could be, uh, 
Oh, let's take a look at the parents' guide for Troll 2. Sex and nudity is mild. Uh, there's a lot of dirty jokes like deflowering a Nilbog virgin. <laughs> That's a dirty joke. Deflowering a Nilbog virgin. <laughs> One minor comic sex scene involves two characters eating corn on the cob out of each other's mouths. And popcorn starts popping, parentheses, by, quote, magic. <laughs> what the fuck? I don't even remember that scene. Oh, a, f- a few shots of topless of a topless woman, although her body has been turned into vegetable matter, so it's debatable whether this counts as nudity. <laughs> what? Well, I, I guess... I think it'd be pretty clear whether or not it was nudity. It should be. Uh, violence and gore, only moderate. A boy, after talking to the ghost of his grandpa, climbs on the table and pees on the food. Oh, no. The father takes him to his room, slams him on the bed, and tells him they will all starve now because of what he did. The father then tells the boy he will now have to suffer through hunger pains, which I remember this too. Uh, This scene, the dad like tightens his belt a little bit. (laughs) And he's like, we're going to have to suffer through hunger pains now. It's uh, all a really bad version of thinner with the, uh, the various eating, uh, you know, obsession. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's like thinner the movie. That's better of the book. Oh, in a dream sequence, an alien-like creature bursts out of a child's stomach and makes a hissing sound. So apparently they just ripped off Alien. Uh, yeah. A man running through some woods falls over. Green liquid is seen coming from the top of his head and pouring over his face. All right. A boy yes. has a nightmare where he is sitting in the back of a car and green liquid starts to pour down his face. So they're really on this green liquid. (laughs) He looks at his hands, which have branches growing from wounds at the end of his fingernails. He then looks at his stomach, where there is a large hole and a couple of branches start to poke out. All the blood in the scene is colored green and isn't that graphic. Okay. Uh, A goblin throws a spear into a young man's shoulder. A woman removes it. A bit of blood is seen, but not much. The young man screams loudly and annoyingly. (laughs) I love when the parents guide just slams a film. It's fucking annoying. It might be the best. A girl punches her boyfriend in the face and knocks him over. Drew finds his friend Arnold turning into a tree. He removes a piece of vegetation covering Arnold's mouth. After doing so, there is a shot of green blood spurting from Arnold's nose and mouth. Aw. A man is set on fire and is seen burning alive. (laughs) That seems a little more graphic than the rest of this stuff. (laughs) Joshua kicks a goblin in the nuts. Grandpa Seth then punches one. Oh, mild profanity. Not much profanity. Two uses of shit and a few uses of ass. (laughs) They couldn't be bothered to count it, though. Oh. 
alcohol and drugs or alcohol, drugs and smoking. Uh, there's nothing in here except it says it says none, and then and then it, it, there's an asterisk, and it said very mild spoilers follow. I assume in the rest of these scenes. Uh, frightening, intense scenes. There are some scenes that can be gross and creepy, but most of the movie's just laughably terrible, <laughs> badly acted, <laughs> terribly written, and with bad special effects. But no matter how horrendous this movie is, it's also really entertaining to watch and laugh at. But small children may be scared by the gore and troll effects. <laughs> so... So I guess I guess they just used the frightening and intense scenes to, to give a review. <laughs> Spoilers: uh, the parents' guide items below may give away important plot details. Important plot details of this film. Okay. Uh, a woman drinks a toxic drink that causes her to go violently ill. She vomits green liquid as well as bleeding it from her head. She then collapses on the floor and begins to implode. Her skin inflates, and a large puddle of green slime and ooze is left. Goblins gather around the slime and start to eat it, and all the little bits and pieces. This scene is as graphic as the film gets, yet is still relatively mild. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the parent's guide. Let's take a look at um, one review for the film. One out of ten. Uh, forced to watch. <laughs> My sister made me watch this. She, uh, hey, look, it, well, you can't see. It's from, it's from April 9th, 2005. Uh, for all you keeping score out there, that's the day we record this. So this, this, uh, what? this happens to be from 14 years ago today. My sister made me watch this. She insisted it was a contagion. A disease that was compelled to spread that she was compelled to spread. After seeing it, I truly understand, relate, and recommend. It's awful, but a transcendent awfulness. You want to pass it around like milk that might have been spoiled, but everyone needs to taste it anyway. Is does do people do that? Uh not that I know of. <laughs> like if someone tells me the milk's spoiled, I believe them. <laughs> I've never laughed so yeah, much. Right. <laughs> I've never laughed at so much at something that isn't even trying to be remotely comedic. It's a travesty. I'm not surprised there are drinking games built around it, but you'll be more than amused watching it sober. Yes, it's that bad, but fun. You want to see it over and over again and force other people to watch it too. Rent it on a particularly bad day. You'll forget everything irritating in your life and be weirdly involved in a world of badly clad midgets. Is this the same movie? Oh yeah, the 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 trolls. Okay. Um suddenly wondering <laughs> if bologna sandwiches or urine could possibly be the solution. If you if you vote, give it a 1. It truly deserves the recognition of being one of the worst movies ever. So apparently people rate it 1 as like a badge of honor. That is troll 2. Uh, like I said, I've seen it. It's been a long time. It's, I don't know, like, I guess it's so bad it's good. I, I don't get the big, there, there, it's funny. There are funny parts about it, but I don't, I don't think I'm as big of a fan as Troll 2 as a lot of people that like bad movies are. 
And I'm a person that likes bad movies, but I don't think I'm sure. as big of a fan. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're at uh, Eric Stoder level, but you're up there. Yeah. Well, I like bad movies, not ironically, but, you know, I understand that Being they're... Being a joke. Yeah, I understand that they're bad. Eric Stoner liked, like, uh, I can't even... What was one that he that he really liked that was just terrible? Uh, he kept insisting we rent Twin Sitters with the Barbarian Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. And uh, I think I think the greatest day of his life, up to that point at least, was uh, the day that we uh, we rented Junior. Yes, Junior. Oh, he loved Junior. I need more expecting. Oh yeah, God! And he he loved the mask. Oh yeah, I, I was actually just thinking about that. Like the the mask was a uh, was a big was a big deal for him too. Yeah. And Earthworm Jim, the video game. Earthworm Jim. Oh, fucking Eric Stoner, man. If you're listening, Eric, shout out to you, brother. Watch bands are expensive. And uh, we were trolling you about the uh, bluegrass the entire time. We didn't think it was literally blue. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Oh, okay. So, now, on my little sheet here, I have to figure out what we're doing. Uh, Oh, yes. We have a promo for a show on the network, a very interesting show. It's a sports show this time. Uh, it is called Piston Thoughts, and Jordan is a very big Pistons fan, and he talks about the Pistons every week. They he just released an episode tonight. Looked like the Pistons. Uh, spoilers, or well, not spoilers, because you're going to see this two days later. Actually, if you can contact us now, spoil us and tell us if the Pistons made the playoffs. But uh, the Pistons were down 20 to a group of G-leaguers because they had eight guys out of the starting lineup. But uh, they ended up coming back to win after they pulled a Ah, hobbled Blake Griffin out of the game. So they did win tonight. Oh, did I spoil it for you, Mike? No, I I saw they were down uh, by quite a bit earlier. Then I'm like, oh, they were like back to within like five and then... uh... I started watching uh, Game of Thrones. There's repeating, you know, on <coughs> HBO. They usually do before the new season. They play all the old episodes. Yeah. So I got caught up in that. And then, uh, yeah, I, I was hoping they would lose. But uh, if they make the playoffs, it's just ridiculous. They're never going to have a good team. Yeah, I agree. They're in NBA purgatory. You, uh... In the NBA, it's so important you get a good, like, lottery. You, you can only really get a high draft pick. That's all you can do. Because pretty much every team can spend the same amount of money on players. There's no, like, uh, Tampa Ray Devil Bays devil rays of the uh, NBA. Exactly. Yep. You, uh, you either suck enough to get some good players in the lottery, like the, the 76ers. 76ers. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's my team this year. I hope they, I hope they would. That'd be great. Or you, uh, or you just have superstars, uh, that, and that's, you just buy them that, uh, that's the only solution in the NBA. But yeah, the, the Pistons are in, NBA purgatory right now. Not quite good enough to win a playoff series and not bad enough to get a top three pick. So, yeah, unfortunately, that's the unfortunate situation they're in right now. I think they need to blow up the team. But I wish, uh, I wish every like uh, GM like understood that you kind of have to be bad for a while in order to be good in pretty much every sport. Yep. Absolutely. Like the Patriots, it's rare that you have like, a 20-year dynasty of like success. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, uh, but... 
So I mean, you know, obviously they're going to have an advantage there. Yeah, yeah. the 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 Wings got uh, their pick today, the sixth yeah, pick overall. Again, we should have uh, tanked harder, and then maybe we would have had a better shot at uh, you know one to three. Yep. But maybe they'll get a defenseman. They need one. But, but here's uh, here is a promo from Pistons Thoughts. Welcome to Pistons Thoughts, where we talk. Well, you guessed it, Pistons. Come join us weekly for everything Pistons. I swear we're fun. Uh, yeah, maybe a little bit, right? Uh, just a tiny bit. Okay. okay. Well, either way, you'll probably have a great time. <laughs> Come on and listen. So that was Pistons Thoughts, and. Definitely check them out. You can find them at michigansportsentertainment.com. Soon to be on iTunes. They're on Spotify. You know where to find them. Pistons Thoughts. Uh, now. If you don't know where to find these podcasts, we don't know how you're listening to our podcast. Exactly. This is Google. I mean, come on. Uh, but now we will, uh, before we get into our main topic, we will do one more interesting segment here. Uh, we did this once before, and then we never brought it back. Uh, but now that's a lie because we're bringing it back. Uh, it's the celebrity ink blot. So today we're going to talk just briefly about something that we debuted on the news uh, a few weeks ago. I guess I don't know whenever it happened. But the uh, Lori Laughlin Felicity Huffman uh, scandal involving. You know, bribery to get their kids into college or whatever they're calling it. I don't even know what they're calling it. Uh, But Lori Laughlin looks like she might be in some trouble. (laughs) She's she's up for uh, money laundering charges and she's expected to plead guilty. As I said on uh, Twitter... (laughs) This was when the story first came out. I said uh, that she she will throw herself at the mercy of the court or something like that. And then I said, pictured below is uh, her and her lawyer discussing their strategy. And it was just a gif of, um, uh, what's his name, John Stamos, saying, have mercy. Technically, it was Jesse uh, Katsopoulos who was saying, have mercy. That's true. Uh, But she uh, is expected to plead guilty, and I guess she could face up to two years in jail because of this. Yeah, I don't know if I, I if I heard that was up to or a minimum of two years. That'd be that'd be it's just kind of insane to see celebrities ever actually go to jail. Yeah, exactly. I mean, really, the <laughs> excuse me, sorry, I have a bit of a cold. the The biggest celebrity that really went for a long time, uh, other than O.J. Simpson, is like Wesley Snipes was in jail for a few years for tax evasion. Yeah, so that was like shocking, kind of. Yeah, they rarely have to uh, face consequences for their actions, which might be part of a problem. But uh, yeah, it looks like it looks like she might get two years in jail. There, there's some serious charges <laughs> against her and uh, Felicity Huffman as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be a federal crime, um, especially if you cross <laughs> cross state lines. Yep. You know. Like wires and that kind of stuff, and federal uh, <coughs> excuse me, federal crimes usually are like almost like a night conviction rate. They usually don't prosecute them unless they have like a, a absolutely solid case against you. Absolutely, yep. I have, I've definitely heard that before as well. Um, you know, I suppose if she gets found guilty, then 
the only upside is federal penitentiaries can be, you know, much more decent conditions than in, you know, a like a county jail. Um, but yeah, it uh, does not look good for her or Felicity Huffman. Uh, obviously, if you if you haven't been following the story, they uh, they paid money to someone to get their their daughters into school into USC. <laughs> it just is USC really that hard to get into? I mean, I guess it's like a premier like a uh, school in Los Angeles. Yeah, I guess I, I don't know. It's more like a preppy, like uh, you know, higher class one to get into. So maybe just like the um, you know elitism of it alone is worth having your like. Oh, my daughter goes to U- uh, USC, you know, better than UCLA or something. Well, I didn't want her to go to Arizona State. I know that's what they said, <laughs> but yeah, it's just just crazy. I suppose when you get to that level, you kind of just feel like money can buy whatever. Um, and that's only because you can. Yeah, exactly. But I just, you know, you see all these different stories. I guess just the because it was organized the way they did it, I guess that's why they got in trouble for it. Because, you know, some rich person uh, donates money for a library for a uh, a college, and then their kid gets in. We all know what's going on there, but they they don't get prosecuted. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, crazy. I, I wouldn't care for the fame part so much, but the uh, wealth and power would be great. Wouldn't you just love to just crush your enemy? Oh, absolutely. I would love that. Bill Murray, I know you hate him, but Bill Murray once said, if uh, if you can choose being rich and famous or just rich, pick rich. And I think he's absolutely right about that. I don't want to be famous. I used to be when I was like nine, but not anymore. Yeah, I don't really see the benefits of it. So... Just the right amount of people listen to this podcast to where we can financially benefit from it, but not become famous. Just find that level and then, like, I don't know, how many people do you think that would be, Mike? Like, well, I mean, I don't know. There's the one I listen to, the the Weekly Planet. They have like a million people a month, and I wouldn't say they're famous. There are people that know who they are, but... But, yeah, that seems like a good amount. You know, we'll start at a million and we'll go from there. Yeah, okay. So a million people a month can listen to this podcast, but then once a million and one listen, somebody's got to drop out. Someone's got to unsubscribe. So we'll let you know when we get to that level. Or we'll unsubscribe you. Exactly. But our main topic for tonight is the film Pet Cemetery. Uh, I, I think, Mike, even though... You probably don't want to see uh, this other movie, but I, from what I hear, I think we should have picked Shazam, because apparently Shazam was really good. Uh, still, I still don't have any interest in seeing it, based on even no. even with people saying that it's really good. But uh, yeah, this this movie, Pet Cemetery, I did not like. Um, have you seen the if, first? If you're Pet wondering if our opinion would be different if uh, Stephen King was on the podcast, yes, it would be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Stephen King, if you had come on, we would have given a glowing review of Pet Cemetery because even over the phone, we would have been too afraid to to uh, say anything bad about your movie or you. But yes, have so you? If you want a good review of Pet Cemetery, you got to come on the podcast. Exactly, or whatever movie you're doing. 
Um, unless we actually like it, I guess. But yes. <laughs> um, have you seen the the original Pet Cemetery? Yeah, I liked the original quite a bit. It was uh, very creepy. Um, I can't remember the guy. Wasn't the guy who was in the Munsters playing the old man? Uh, Ed Gwynn, yes. Yeah, and he was also, I knew him first from uh, a movie I liked quite a bit, uh, My Cousin Vinny. Yeah, one of my favorites, too. Yeah, he's really good in that. Um, and the, even the little boy was really, like, the right amount of creepiness. Uh, Misha something is mm-hmm. his name, I don't remember. Misha Barton. Well, I, like, I don't know if that's I think it. that's a woman. <laughs> I think you're correct, but I'm not positive. <laughs> it's funny, I was looking at the, uh, the Hot Ones. And like, oh, look, it's so-and-so. I'm like, I don't know who that is. And I guess it's Scarlett Johansson. Oh, okay. But yeah, it was kind of funny. It's like, I'm not really sure who that person is. It's Black yeah, the original. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Probably. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a classic tale of a... Uh, it's kind of like the monkey's paw, I think. Isn't that what it's kind of based off? Yeah, definitely. Where, uh, as I'm sure most people would know this, uh, the Discover in the first one, um, there's like a cemetery where you get a... Uh, put your animals and then it's but it was like uh a common thing at that time to, uh, to have something beyond ancient native american uh, burial ground which <laughs> for some reason is evil all the time which isn't very flattering i mean i guess you could say it's out of revenge but either way i mean it'd be kind of fucked up to say oh look at your graveyard it's it's evil yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that yeah. that was a common trope in the late 70s and 80s the poltergeist i know to use the same thing yep um, I don't know what else. So maybe it was just those two. There was an episode of Family Guy that did it too. Oh, that's funny because there's an episode of South Park that did it as well. <laughs> based, but it's based on Poltergeist, though. Um, but uh, yeah, exactly. But yeah, if you've seen the original movie, then you've seen this movie. If you've read the book, you've pretty much seen this movie. There is one twist that they telegraph so hard, I felt a headache from it. But uh, basically, I mean, it's it's the basic story. A family moves from Boston to a new house in the woods in Maine. Um, they meet their neighbor, Judd, who, you know, is a nice old guy. Um, the, uh, the family's cat dies on Halloween. Uh, the daughter is really upset about it because the daughter loved the cat. Um, and they... Uh, they, um, you know, like Judd tells him, Lewis, that, uh, oh, and Victor Pascal dies. In this movie, he's black instead of white. I mean, it doesn't matter. The, the In the original movie, Victor Pascal got way more character. It didn't get much character development, but got way more character development and more lines than this kid does in this movie. I'll, I'll say that because he's barely in it at all. Um and barely gives any warnings. But so Judd has him take the cat to the pet cemetery because uh, Ellie, his daughter, is upset that the cat is dead and the cat comes back just like his dog did. Uh, they explain a little bit more. In the first movie, it's always like... <laughs> where And Ed Gwynn is great in the first movie. Um He's the only one doing a really good action job in the first movie, but he's acting the hell out of his role. Uh, but in the first movie, it was always kind of like when he explained it, you were like, well, why Why did you tell him to bury this cat then? If you tried it and you knew things came out evil, what the fuck? But in this one, he says, uh, John Lithgow, who does a fine job in, in the role, says that 
you know, his dog was kind of mean at first anyway. So he thought that because the cat was a sweet cat, that it would come back nice. But it obviously doesn't. It scratches uh, Ellie's and, like, terrorizes Gage in his uh, in his uh, little playpen thing. He's, he's, like, three in this movie. Um, so the thing that, you know, you think Gage is going to be the one that gets hit and killed by the truck later in the movie. If you've seen the original movie or read the book. And, but they, they develop the daughter so much and the relationship of the daughter to the father and everything that they really telegraph. I mean, I knew a mile away that it was going to be the daughter to get killed instead of Gage, but they still give you the fake out where, uh, Gage, you know, like church, he takes, so he takes church after it's attacking all the kids, takes church, puts it in the highway and leaves. He, he didn't have the strength to euthanize the cat. So... The cat starts coming back at Ellie's ninth birthday party. She sees it in the street. She goes and runs after it. Gage sees her. He runs after her, too. The truck's coming. Um, but the dad snatches Gage out of the way at the, the last possible second. Saves his life. But the driver, who is looking at his cell phone, you know, looks up and sees the kid, swerves, and... You know, the uh, the truck jackknifes and then the back of like the tanker detaches and slams into Ellie and kills her um, so that, you know, obviously they had to make it a bigger spectacle kind of thing. So, you know, the dad, uh, the mom and Gage go to the grandparents house and the dad takes uh, Ellie and buries her in the pet cemetery because he wants to bring her back to life, even though he knows it's the wrong thing to do. Uh, Victor Pascal shows up for three seconds and says, no, don't do it or whatever. Um, and he, you know, he just goes and does it anyway. Um, and so he buries her. She comes back. She's evil. She kills Judd because she knows Judd's going to try to kill him. Then she kills the mom. Then uh, when after she kills the mom, she knocks the dad out, drags the mom to the pet cemetery, buries her. So she comes back. Uh, you know, uh, Lewis is trying to kill his daughter and then the mom comes out of nowhere and stabs him with, uh, a weather vane, um, kills him, buries him. They had, he had locked Gage in the car to protect him. And then they all three, you know, like zombie people basically come, you know, towards the car and the dad motions to Gage and Gage unlocks the car door for him, intimating that they're going to then kill Gage. There's also a part in the movie where she kills Judd, where she briefly becomes his wife, his deceased wife, and it's hinted at that he also buried his wife in the pet cemetery, which then doesn't make, or the Micmac cemetery, which then doesn't make his explanation make any sense at all then. Because if that did happen and his his wife would have come back evil as well and he would have had to kill her again. So I don't get it. That, that, that part doesn't make any sense. A lot of the movie doesn't make sense. But that's the basic plot of the movie. There's something at the beginning where they're talking about death, uh, you know, just kind of out of nowhere. This is before Church dies. And oh, I think it was maybe after Victor Pascal died. And he had explained that to his wife and his daughter overheard it or something. 
It, no, actually, it was before Victor Pascal dies. Uh, it was very early in the movie. But he, you know, like, he and his wife kind of get into a debate outside of earshot of their daughter, where it's clear he's an atheist, and it's clear the wife is not, and they don't know exactly what to tell the girl about death and everything. And I thought to myself, oh, this is interesting. This is an interesting idea that they could really go with, and then they'd go nowhere with it. That they they just they just drop that the the whole idea. The the only time it's brought back up again is when the daughter says to the mom, uh, you know, Dad believed that there's nothing after you die. He was wrong, but it's not like you think. It's not heaven. So intimating that it's some sort of you know horrid existence. Um, but that's the only time that it's brought up again. And I thought, well, that's a waste of, uh, you know, something you could have done something with that idea. And, you know, it could have been part of his motivation for wanting to, to bury her. Cause he thought, you know, well, cause Judd says sometimes dead is better. And, you know, he's like, well, no, cause you know, you're just, when you're dead, you're just gone kind of thing. Uh, and being a monster alive is better than being dead, I guess. I don't know. But they could have gone somewhere with it, and they went nowhere with it. Uh, I mean, it's basically a remake, beat for beat, outside of the fact that the daughter's the one that gets killed, and then the ending. Um, was there even a daughter in the first one? I don't remember. I don't think so. I think it was just uh, Gage. Yeah, I thought it was just Gage as well. They recreate the stuff with the mom and her sister, Zelda, uh, you know, when she died of spinal meningitis and everything. There's there's more jump scares in this movie, although fewer jump scares with the cat. There's a lot of cat jump scares in the original Pet Cemetery, But there, there's more jump scares. It's not quite as atmospherically creepy. It's just it's just a pale imitation, uh, and I'm not even really an enormous fan of the first movie. It's a fine it's a fine movie. Um, I know a lot of people that really love it. I don't really love it. It's okay, um, but it's a pale imitation of that. It, it falls below average in my pretty pretty far below average in yeah, my as estimation. Far as, as far as Stephen King movies go, the original Pet Cemetery is in the top half for sure. Because, but that's only because there's quite a few bad ones. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, for sure. I would say the Shawshank Redemption probably is up there. Um, yeah, sure. Stand By Me is a good one, too. I'm trying to think. Uh, Misery's not bad. Oh, that one's not bad. Well acted. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's not... <sighs> It seems it, they just think they, they get it wrong every time, whether it's a huge, long, complicated book like The Stand or a very simple, laid out story. I mean, this this book, Pet Cemetery, was the first Stephen King book I ever read. And, you know, I oh, was it. Yeah. And I really got into Stephen King after reading it. I thought it was a really creepy book. Um, but the, the movie just can't, the, this movie just doesn't capture that feeling. The 1989 one did a lot better of a, of a job capturing that creepiness factor than this movie does. I think the first Stephen King book I ever read was It. Oh, which that's a long one. A huge, uh, yeah, it's quite long. It took me a, about a week maybe to read it. Yeah, that, I mean, it. I don't think you could ever really make a good movie of It. I mean... It's just, I, I don't understand why uh, people do this, but they just, like, taking something out of it, it's like, 
like a, a novel is the best form for it. You know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. just, I mean, like there's some certain things that have a certain medium that's way better and it can't be improved by switching to another medium, which is my biggest gripe with these comic book movies is these movies are always best as comic books because there's elements that are central to comic books that make them, you know, better stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, taking I it in like, I mean, this is, I mean, this, this for sure is one of the more adaptable books by Stephen King, I would say. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be too hard to do a good job at this one. The, the original was pretty, you know, pretty decent. Um, but I don't know. It's just like, like it. I mean, there's, there's, there's never going to be a good movie of it. I mean, yeah, there's creepy parts and stuff, but you're not even scratching the surface of the book. It. Yeah. And it's, you know, the, the way that it switches back and forth in time and just a lot of the things that you can do in a book, it's just impossible to film as a movie. Oh yeah, even budgetary, you know, uh, issues aside, I mean, like you said, the way they keep flipping between the present and the past, and they, you know, connect it, and it's in a way that's, you know, it wouldn't work any better any other way, and a movie is a completely different way. Yeah, yeah, it's the, the, I agree with the, you know, the fact that a lot of books, the, the medium they best, you know, serve in is a book. There's not enough original screenplays. Where, oh, that's yeah. Where someone's got an original idea because you know writing a screenplay is a lot different than writing a book, and you know when you when you write an original screenplay and an original idea, even even mediocre ones tend to just work better as movies than you know a, a great book that you can yeah, adapt. Like, like Quentin Tarantino is obviously one of my favorite directors. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of his movies would serve as a book or a comic or you know a musical anything like that there's really no better version of reservoir dogs than the version that you see in yeah exactly i mean i guess outside of jackie brown which was a book by elmore leonard yeah jackie brown is a great movie but the book is better i mean oh i agree yeah the I, i'm a big fan of elmore leonard and and uh and i yeah, like that sure. book a lot but yeah, uh, really those characters are in another book as well yep yeah, yeah. R- was it uh Rum Punch is that what it is? Rum Punch is the one that uh, that Jackie Brown's based off of. I think the other book is called Road Dogs. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. But uh, but yeah, um, this movie I, I would give it a pass. Unfortunately, it's just not it's just not that good. If you want to experience Pet Cemetery and you don't want to read the book, rent the or get on streaming or find it on Netflix. I'm sure it's on somewhere the uh the 1989 version because terrible acting from the guy that plays the dad aside that's that's the superior version of the book and it it, there are more ideas fleshed out this movie's breezy it's only 90 minutes long but it really feels rushed i mean i remember you know watching it and everything and i'm like there's like 30 minutes to go and he's just burying the daughter now. Like, like this is all, this is all really going to go quick, isn't it? And it does <laughs> go really fast. Um, but yeah, I would give it a pass, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, something better next week. Don't know what yeah. to tell you. Maybe, maybe we could do a uh, retrospective on Stephen King movies and then, uh, add ideas of how he would change it to be a better movie. Yeah, and I could just keep adding Stephen King and see if he'll be on the show. <laughs> I'll be like, hey, Stephen, sorry you missed last week. This week, we're doing a retrospective on all your movies. 
why don't you come out and, and talk to us about uh, Maximum Overdrive? How did you feel about Sleepwalkers? Oh, God. Oh, Sleepwalkers. Oh. The Mangler, exactly how you envisioned it? Oh, that's one of the worst ever. Oh, I hated that movie. But Hated, th- hated, hated this movie. That's right. But that is our show for this week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on all the other stuff. Massive Late Fee. MySpace, Massive Late Fee. We have an Instagram. I forgot to uh, I forgot to promote that. But I made I think you did uh, last time. Oh did I did I? Okay. I can't remember. I, uh, we put stuff on there sometimes pictures and stuff. I don't really know how Instagram works. If anyone wants to write an email and tell me how to do Instagram, I'll, uh, I'll follow your advice, but, uh, you can send a telegram and said, if you prefer. Yeah, exactly. Maybe a uh, piece of, uh, hard mail. I don't know. Maybe you could, uh, telegram was the best one. I can't think of a better joke. (laughs) Pony Express might be around. Yeah, there you go. Um, but anyway, so we're on Instagram. Find us there. Tell a friend about the show. Uh, do other stuff. I don't know. You know what? You, you guys know by now what we need you to do to make the podcast get to a million subscribers so we can start kicking people off. So just do that. Tell a million people about, or or 100,000 of you all tell 10 people, or 1,000 of you all tell uh, 1,000 other people. Yeah, that's or part of the best one. Ten of you tell a hundred thousand people. Yeah, that's the, the easiest way to do it. Yeah, exactly. Ten of you out there tell a hundred thousand people about our podcast. Just don't rest until you've contacted a hundred thousand different people and told them to tell us about the podcast. Or you can you can get your friend to have people under them. And then they can tell some people about the podcast and, and they, they'll make other people tell them about the podcast. And then, you know, the higher up you are in this pyramid that we're making, <laughs> then, uh, <laughs> then the more money you'll make will give you some residuals or something like that. Uh, I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, tell people about the podcast and rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen. Um, That's all I've got, so we will see you next week. Bye. See you next time.